Walton Goggins, congratulations on the Hateful Eight. I saw the Roadshow version yesterday and really, really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much, man. I'm so happy you got to see it in 70mm. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was, that's a pretty unique experience, and I just am curious about how your feelings on that presentation and being shot that way. I know Tarantino is obviously very passionate. Is that something you share? I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. And, you know, there is no uh, uh, greater uh, uh, leader, you know, uh, no greater motivator for and uh, for this format than, than, than Quentin. You know, he has a way of contextualizing what this experience is and, and putting it into uh, uh, the, the history of, of cinema and, and, and what the movies that came before The Hateful Eight were and how they were photographed and, uh, you know, and, and what that means, like seeing images that um, haven't been seen in, in 50 years. You know, actors haven't been in front of these lenses in a very long time. And, um, and, and, and Quentin is a, an, an analog guy in a digital world uh, uh, who celebrates film and, uh, and, and to be, you know, invited on, on this train uh, with him and, and with these other actors is, and the crew for that matter is, is a real, a real dream come true. Well, I can imagine that the first phone call you get to work on a Quentin Tarantino movie is pretty exciting, but you got a second call to come work again with a much larger role. What did that mean to you that an artist of his caliber wanted to explore a deeper collaboration with this kind of material in a character as rich as Chris Mannix? What a great question. You know, I, I, you, you hope, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and, and you hope that you can, over the course of your career, um, build a, a body of work that that someone um, or or not that there is anyone else like Quentin, but that that someone like Quentin would 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 notice what you've been doing and 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 give you you know that that opportunity. Um, and and for me, that opportunity doesn't lead to something else. This is the opportunity. You know what I mean? I live my life in the present and uh, and. To, to to get this invitation from him with uh, his stable of actors, including his muse, Samuel L. Jackson, and to be this role in this film is, uh, you know, man, it's to say that, that it's over the moon or, or to say that I'm pinching myself or to use any other colloquialism or or there, there aren't enough positive adjectives in the, in the, in the English language uh, to adequately express you know my my feelings about this experience you know it's uh uh, it's been uh, religious for me in a number of ways you know it's like going to church and um and getting baptized really you know it's it's really uh something that i will i will never ever ever forget well, he often refers to his own work, particularly his writing, as poetry, and you certainly have a knack for the rhythm of his language, and I mean, you've got what I think is one of his best lines in Django Unchained, and you obviously power through Chris Mannix's words in Hateful Eight. You've even referred to it as loquacious poetry before, but what do you think he means when he describes it that way? Well, I, no one no one writes the way that Quentin does. You know, the, the only other person that, that I have ever read... Um, who Quentin is a disciple of is Elmore Leonard, and there's this there's this this elegant accessibility to his words, and 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 they're they're 
they not only once they, they they don't just fit in your mouth. They don't. They're just they're just not coming out as as words. People don't just hear them as words. They're visual. Um, like just for instance, uh, a speech that Sam Jackson, a monologue that Sam Jackson has in this movie. I think you know which one I'm talking about. If you were to close your eyes, and and the the, the visual imagery that that Quentin pairs with his words, uh, you, were, were were not available to you. If you were to just close your eyes during Sam's speech, then you would see exactly what is being spoken. His he has this way with with his like, like even Royale with cheese, or even in any 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 speech that uh, that the wolf makes, or that you know whatever that is, whatever that insert character here, you 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 can see it. You see what's happening. As much as you hear what's happening, and and they're so specific and they're so uniquely Tarantino, and I don't and I don't know another writer working today in in, in movies that that has this quality. But if you were to close your eyes and and you were given two minutes of a conversation written by Quentin Tarantino, uh, and you didn't know who the author was, you would know that it's Tarantino dialogue. It's like listening to Bob Dylan, man. If you just close your eyes, you know those lyrics are Bob. If you just if you read them, right, and you don't hear Bob's voice, the same with with Quentin. If you just hear actors speaking words, you would know within two minutes that it's a that it's within a minute that it's a you know a Quentin Tarantino scene, and that's that's very unique and very powerful. I I don't know how he does it, man. You know, I, I well, have no idea. I just know that I'm grateful that I get to say it. <laughs> Ooh, woo! Well, I tell you what, Bob. The name's John. When we get to Red Rock, I'll buy you and Major Marquess there dinner and booze. My way of saying thanks. I don't drink with rebel renegades, and I damn sure don't break bread with them. Well, Mr. Ruth, yeah, you sound like you've got an axe to grind against the cause. Cause? Yeah. Renegade army? Bunch of losers gone loco, you bet I do wrapped yourselves up in a rebel flag as an excuse to kill and steal. This ought to interest you, Warren, in particular emancipated blacks. Sounds like my kind of fella. Sound to me you've been reading a lot of newspapers printed in Washington, D.C. Anywho, I'm just trying to let y'all know how grateful I am. I was a goner, and y'all saved me. You want to show me how grateful you are? Shut up. Well, I, I know that you were raised in Georgia, but I, I'm curious, what is your current relationship with your birthplace, Birmingham, Alabama? Well, I, you know, I only lived there uh, a year, uh, the first year of my life, so, so it wasn't, you know, my choice to leave. <laughs> Obviously, a year old doesn't dictate his surroundings, um, but I, you know, I have a great affinity for for Alabama and 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 uh, culturally, and my my aunt who is a uh, 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 an actress in the theater and did regional um, equity theater all over the country, but spent a lot of time working in, in Birmingham. And, and I went, you know, back and forth and sat in those dinner theaters and, and theaters in Birmingham. And that really formed my, my early experience and, and early uh, uh, exposure to, 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 to storytelling. So in some ways I, 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 it wasn't the fact that I was born in Birmingham that changed my life. It was the fact that I saw my, my aunt and uncle doing theater in Birmingham that, that changed my life. 
so, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be what I was doing today without their good fortune in, in, in Birmingham and, uh, and, and then subsequently being able to see it. And I love the music, Patterson Hood. I love Muscle <laughs> Shoals. Come on, I love the soul food. I, lo- I love it all, man. But what advantage do you think that that heritage and your cultural background gives you, whether you're auditioning or being sought after for a role that happens to have a Southern connection? Well, it's u- uniquely yours, isn't it? You know, I I spent my early uh, uh, years uh, you know, in Los Angeles trying to get away from from my upbringing and trying to be and uh, you know, trying to talk differently, trying to uh, expand my horizons only to come back to them in a way that I never could have if I had just stayed in the South. And, and I think that's what, you know, what happens when you get away from uh, uh, the, the nascent kind of part of your, 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 your being. You, you, you come back to it and you see it, you know, you see it a different way. There's a, there's a quote by T.S. Eliot that says, uh, you know, a life is an exploration. And the end of that exploring will be to arrive from the place that we started and know that place for the first time. And, and, and that's really kind of been my experience and my association to the South. And, and I've been given, you know, soap boxes or, 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 or forums in which to contextualize for other people, uh, the Southern experience and to, to broaden their definition of the South. And, and it's something that is very important to me. And, uh, it's something that I take very seriously and, and, uh, and I'm, and I, and I, I feel like I've been a part of the evolving uh, conversation about the South over the last 10 years, certainly, certainly through my run on Justified. Certainly, and Boyd Crowder was a white supremacist, and Billy Crash was a slave driver, and now Chris Mannix was obviously a young man raised to hate black people in the Confederate South. These are only three of your many roles, obviously, but I'm curious about how a Southern-born actor approaches roles like these perhaps a little differently than others with less familiarity with the history of racial tension in the South. How do you initially go about finding a way into understanding and connecting with these characters that people might otherwise find pretty deplorable? Well, I, I, I think for, uh, for for Boyd Crowder, we had a conversation early on because I said no to playing Boyd Crowder three times before I really had a soul-to-soul conversation with Tim Oliphant, whom I'm a very big fan of, and Graham Yost our showrunner and I said, listen, this is this is the pilot, this is what it says. I will say these things only one way. I will say these things if you let Boyd Crowder off the hook by saying, I, I don't believe that you necessarily believe everything that you're saying, Boyd. And and that's where I was in my life at that time. And and that's what I believed to be the truth about Boyd Crowder. I, I feel like he's more of a Svengali than a racist. Um, and, and once, you know, we did the, the pilot, uh, I mean, he's a self-taught man. He's a person who, who it's, it was more about economics for him and the, and the lack of opportunity based on, on economics, uh, that, that informed his experience. It wasn't about a hatred towards, towards uh, African-Americans. And he was, again, just regurgitating these, uh, inflammatory statements to build an audience. But then, we did 78 episodes, so that's episode one. Episode two, he's a born-again Christian with African-Americans in his church. So my parameters for, for continuing on in, in, in that journey for Boyd Crowder was that he be a, a figure in, in, in the South that, uh, 
that I know, people that I know that expand upon that definition of a racist, but that he be the smartest man in the room and and someone that is self-taught, someone that, that is a... Uh, and has an appreciation for 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 poetry and for language and for literature and you know some of the most interesting artists that I've ever met in my life come black or white come from the south and and race is not a part of that and and I uh I wanted to have that experience with Boyd Crowder to expand the definition of what it means to to come from the south and uh and and I feel like I was able to do that and 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 that's something that I'm very proud of with with Django what Quentin wrote what ultimately didn't make it into the movie but what he wrote was you know a a, a white man who who had risen through uh the 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 only corporation in town which was the slave plantation structure he was a poor white man who had risen through the to the top through the the horrible subjugation of a race of people, um, and and that is a a worldview that 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 needed to be articulated and 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 uh, expressed in a way to highlight the uh, the horrific treatment of African Americans in this country, and and if I can do that, and I can be in the service of telling the black experience, you can bet your ass I'm going to do that. Because that's uh, uh, you know that is a that is a part of what it is to to be from the south and to look any other way would be denying you know where this came from where this this horrible treatment of another group of people came from and uh, and so that was that experience and Chris Mannix then for me and what Quentin has written in this is the next evolutionary step of race relations in this country you know it's a uh, it's a Chris Mannix starts off as a uh, you know, in an arrested state of development, regurgitating a worldview that is dictated by by his the legacy of his father and his surroundings. He's never had a conversation with an African American, and 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 it is a journey from that darkness, from that small minded uh, point of view, to one of liberation from ignorance, and 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 one you know that says no 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 I'm 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 going from a boy to a man. Uh, a person able to think for myself and uh and 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 it's a it's a beautiful uh transition that uh arc if you will that that Quentin has written for for Chris Mannix and um and the fact that I got to go through that with with one of my icons uh Samuel L Jackson uh who is Quentin's muse uh is uh you know I I I can't believe it man and I'm sitting here talking to you in a <laughs> hotel in Nashville Look at that. Well, well, Walton Goggins, thank you so much. Congratulations on this movie. I've been a huge fan of yours ever since The Apostle, which is a movie that's very special to me personally. My wife is a huge fan of Boyd, and it's just been an honor to talk to you, and I wish you the best of luck. Hey, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for the articulate questions, Hey, well, have, have a, a great have day. Have a great day. Okay.